uh, what do they call them? The NSPM, NSPM, National Security Presidential Memorandas, Memorandum, Memoranda, whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. Really interesting. Really interesting. All right. You're good now? She's good now. I'm out All of right, here. See you I'll later, Ben. Yeah, see ya. Bye, everybody. She's so cute. Did she say bye? Yeah. <laughs> Honey, what are you doing up there? Oh, you're waiting for Daddy to come up. Okay, he's coming, honey. All right, let me just get the show prep downloaded. I'm, uh, the internet was unplugged, the little ethernet cable, so it's just starting to like come back to life. <laughs> I am uh, downloading the show prep. Give me one second and I will put the links out for everybody. Um, let's see. Yes, we're going to be talking about Jean-Luc Brunel and his arrest. I think that that was pretty, um, pretty important, and I'm sure that uh, people want to hear about that. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, we're going to be looking at. Let me see. I'm going to bring up the Patriot Soapbox website. We have um, we I published two articles today, actually. I published uh, an article about um, how diversity training doesn't work and causes conflict because it does. Corporate diversity training is terrible. Whoopsies, sorry. Um, I'm just bringing up my like little live chat thing here so I can keep an eye on that too. And then I published an article on Jean-Luc Brunel. All right, so we're going to go into the show prep now. Um, it, it looks like at some point, no regrets is going to be taking over for the last hour on Thursdays for me so that I don't have to do three hour show on Thursdays. Cause I've got other stuff that I work on and I'm doing, I don't know if she's going to be starting this week, but, um, she will be doing that last hour. So I'll just be seven to nine, five days a week. So that would be helpful to me so I can spend more time writing and doing the other things I need to be doing. Okay, so um, tonight's show, we're going to talk about Jean-Luc Brunel and his arrest. Uh, he was absolutely evil. He's an evil man. And um, it, he just, the way this whole thing is going, really, it could be one of two things happening. We're seeing the network being rounded up, right? Because earlier this week, uh, Peter Nygaard was arrested. Now, I didn't really get into Nygaard much. What a disgusting creature. I think that Pam covered Nygaard. So um, that was earlier this week. And then Renell, he was picked up at um, an airport in Paris. He was trying to travel to Africa. <laughs> How ridiculous. Um, and remember, there were these stories that like, oh, you know, there were sightings of him in Brazil and this and that. And who knows how many of these stories was planted by intelligence agencies because they did this with Ghislaine as well. Oh, she was seen at a whatever burger place in California. Meanwhile, she's like hiding out in Boston with her beard, Scott Borgerson, right? And um you know, one of the things that I had talked about with regards to Epstein was that Maxwell was the real operator. 
Epstein was sort of like her beard and was somebody that her father, Robert Maxwell, he'd worked with Epstein before and uh, he kind of wanted Epstein to protect her, um, you know, when he was gone, basically. And uh, I think he maybe knew he... Um, that he had was causing problems with the Mossad because they didn't like what he was doing with the pension funds at the mirror. You know, they felt like that's, that was causing, it was too much heat on them. And he thought that because he had so much money uh, that he could basically do whatever he wanted. And we all know how that ended up with uh, him being pushed off the lady Ghislaine, right? Are you wanting to say something? Go ahead, honey. Hi, it's Miss V here. <laughs> Do you want to tell them anything? And then I'm going to finish my show and I want you to go upstairs. Do you want to tell them about that you did the psalm, new psalm tonight for everyone to hear? I did a new psalm tonight. Yeah, it was a nice one. And do you know, we use St. Seraphim for our icons, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really cool, huh? Yeah. Okay. I want you to go upstairs now. We're talking. We're going to talk about grown-up things now, okay? All right. So All right, say bye to everybody. All right. Bye, honey. I'll come check on you. You know after. Okay. Pet the cat one time and then go up, please. Okay. So um, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> Waiting for somebody to leave the room. A little silly. Um, yeah. Before we cover the grown-up stuff. Okay, now I can. Now I can. <laughs> it's just so cute. They grow up so fast, my goodness. Um, okay, so yeah, we're going to talk about this tonight. And um, yeah, we'll also look at uh, certain things that I think are indications that this is either going one of two ways. We're either seeing the network being rounded up or we're seeing them uh, loose ends being tied up, right? Will Brunel actually face these charges right now he's been detained and they can hold him i believe for 96 hours and you also have to understand that france has different laws than america does when it comes to these kinds of um you know underage sex and stuff like that uh, same with um other countries in europe it's not the same as here so you know we also don't know is he could he face extradition to the u.s uh, Etc. These are things that I think we need to know. We need to push for. Um, we'll also talk about uh, what we're learning now, or, or the latest to come out about the hack, where they're saying, "Oh, now you know, uh, nuclear facilities have been, you know, hacked by this." And so that's just lovely, isn't it? Um, it reminds us, that as he just played that video of Klaus Schwab. How did Klaus know? Why did he know? And is anybody concerned about this? Right? Like, this is just disturbing. You know, our nuclear weapons agency, the DOE, the NNSA, what is going on here? Right? A little bit weird. Um, so, yeah, that's the National uh, Nuclear Security Administration, the NNSA. So we'll see. Uh, what happens here. But um, with that being said, we will get into tonight's show. The very word secrecy is repugnant 
in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. You guys know what this represents? Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. But we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. America is governed by Americans. Infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. For them, it's a war. And for them, nothing at all is out of bounds. Man will be what he was born to be. Free and independent. Nothing for them is out of bounds. That's right. I think that becomes, you know, more clear with each passing day. I mean, they are right now all assets deployed. Um, you know, whatever, uh, at any cost, right? Yeah, and he, you know, I, I, people always talk about, you know, the calm before the storm, and some people have said we're in the storm. I think we're about there. I don't think we're gonna we're there until Trump actually sends the tweet and they remove his Twitter, but uh, we're pretty close, I think. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, they could do that basically at any point right now. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't. It would not surprise me if they did this before. Uh, January 20th. Oh, yeah. I, I it think better be. It. <laughs> it better be before then because we have a lot of things that need to happen before then. Yeah. So we have a new psalm tonight, as uh, Reed told everybody, and this is um, St. Seraphim of Savra. She picked this one out specifically of him praying to the icon of um, the Theotokos. She thought that was really nice when he went out into the wilderness. <laughs> Psalm one, two, three. I lift up my eyes to you, to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us. For we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud. Amen. Amen. 
She picked the uh, Christmas music too. She uh, we call it Psalms instead of Palms. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, that was just unbelievable. (laughs) Oh, good lord. You cannot make this stuff up. I mean, that's how ridiculous he is. Joe Biden pretending to be like some kind of Catholic or something. How ridiculous. Um, now, we're going to play a quick video by Mercy Hunter. Mercy Hunter is, of course, one of our um, one of our contributors. She occasionally writes, but she mostly does um, these videos. Uh, you can find her on YouTube uh, at Mercy Hunter. That's her account. She only has um, on YouTube 531 subscribers. So uh, if you um, are feeling generous, give her, you know, uh, subscribe. Now, I also link, just so everybody can see this before we play the video, always uh, under, at the anytime I put a video into a slide, if you look at the bottom left-hand corner, I'll always have the link there so that you can uh, easily pull it up. Um, on your own, right? So if you want to share the video or, you know, subscribe to the channel, you can always find it that way. And that way I don't have to put out links all the time. Everything's in the show prep, you know. Okay, so this is a quick five-minute video, but it's about something really interesting that I think most people have never heard of. It's called the Kin uh, Act. I think that's what she says. Let me... Um, give me one second here. I don't know why that thing was hanging down. It shouldn't have been. Oh, come on. <sighs> Hang on. Let's try this again. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's why my Zoom did an update. <laughs> it looks different. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay, the Kin Relations Act, and that's spelled Q I N. This was signed, I believe, by Bill Clinton. And so just, um, well, you'll see. Watch and, and you'll see what this is all about. I'm going to turn off my mic now to play this.
That's lovely. China, you know, being brought into the system by the Clintons. Uh, the Clintons signing a, um, a, I guess, an executive order. I think it was one two eight four eight that um, you know established trading relations with them, gave them most favored nation status, uh, but also said that we need to promote. China into the international world order. What does that mean, right? When we think about the things that are happening now, it's clear that they were setting up China for the pan-Eurasian superstate. The pivot to Asia, this is what 9-11 was all about. We've kind of talked about that, I think, at length. Uh, Kissinger, of course, it, highly involved in this. In fact, um, on our website, we have uh, an article about that that basically goes into what he did to bring China into the new world order. Um, really unbelievable. Of course, here is uh, Jean-Luc Brunel with Ghislaine. Look how cozy they are, how close they are. She's holding what appears to be a tablet or a phone in her hand. I wonder what they were looking at. Maybe a, a catalog to find their next victim. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Pretty um, disgusting, huh? There's another picture of them. Look at this. 
They're obviously very close. Here is Jean-Luc Brunel wearing a hat that says Israel Army. He's and then just to, just to confirm, so I had to go back and refresh my memory because it's been a while since I looked at him, but he was basically like a recruiter. He opened up um, a modeling agency, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was like a recruiter for Ghislaine and Epstein. So that's kind of where he fits into the mix here. Yeah, he is. Um, he founded Karen Modeling Agency, but also MC Square or MC2, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's right. Yeah, so him wearing this hat, though, Israel Army, he's telling you who he works for. And guess what? It's the same people Epstein and Maxwell work for, her father worked for, the Mossad, Israel. And we all know that it's a blackmail operation. The question would be, um, what are they getting, you know, in, uh, in return, right? For if they're doing these extensive uh, blackmail operations, what, of course, are they getting? What kind of information? Is this the reason why Israel is given so much in foreign aid each year? Is this why we have to uh, sign bills calling, um, you know, anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism? Meaning you can't criticize a political ideology because that's what it is. There are Christian Zionists, there are Jewish Zionists, there are Zionists of every uh, race out there. It's a political ideology. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. And there are Jewish people who are anti-Zionist. So this of course, which occurred under the Trump administration, this labeling of anti-Zionism as anti-Semitism is not only un-American, it's unacceptable and patently untrue, okay? So we have to ask ourselves these questions. The other thing, the laws that have been signed to maintain Israel's qualitative military edge, the APAC talking points, Again, if you've read my article about the Israel lobby, that's up on the website. That goes into great detail of how they co-op people and the kinds of things they do. It's either the velvet glove of, oh, you know, we can get your wife a job at this think tank. Oh, your daughter, she is going into college next year. You know, we can pull some strings to get her into Harvard on a full scholarship. Oh, that's not going to work then we're going to do the iron fist and it's, we're going to fund your opponent to the tune of millions of dollars. So you're not going to get reelected or we'll harass you. We'll stalk you with the operatives that they run on us soil, foreign operatives running around, putting stingray devices all over Washington, DC. It should also it should also be noted that if you go back and you look at Epstein's history, like he was, a, I think he was a trader or something. I don't remember what trader, T-R-A-D-E-R, uh, at a financial institute. I don't remember which one. Um, and I don't think he was all that good at it. He left. And then all of a sudden he's got like gazillions of dollars. Nobody has really been able to follow the money How on him. Financial. 
what was it? Towers Financial was the okay. first place he was at. Okay. Um, where he did that big scam with Hoffenberg, and Hoffenberg went to prison. Hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it's, there's not really a link to where he gets all of this, like, hyper cash. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he'd be able to rip off some people, you know, in the financial industry. I mean, that's kind of a given. But the level of money that he had was kind of over the top. Yeah, he was getting it from Leslie Wexner um, primarily, but uh, he was involved with Hoffenberger, Hoffenberg in 1993 in the Towers financial thing. And Hoffenberg, that whole scam was basically called like the uh, the Madoff before Madoff, right? Okay, That's yeah. How big of a, a scam it was? It was billions of I think something like 450 billion that they ripped off. Hoffenberg goes to jail for 20 years. Um, and I, you know, he obviously took the fall for Epstein and, uh, he has recently spoken out about Epstein and basically described Epstein's involvement working for the Israeli Mossad, but he also, um, he's not necessarily someone to 100% trust what he's saying. Some of the things he said can be independently validated, but in other cases, it seems like he is. Um, I don't know, maybe trying to cover certain aspects of like making Ghislaine seem less uh, responsible than what we know she is, right? Yeah, with her, you know, $67 billion or whatever it was request to go out on bail. No oh way, lady. <laughs> no, no way. You don't, even a trillion dollars, your ass is staying in jail. I'm sorry. Exactly. And we found out also she is, in fact, married to Borgerson, the new beard. That's what I called him a long time ago. I said, you know, this Epstein was her beard. She's the real operative. She's got another beard. That's Borgerson. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Well, you know what's weird about that? And I didn't I didn't read a lot of it. I just like glanced at an article, but it was taught talking about how she refused to state the name of her spouse in her legal documents and then her supposed husband had written a letter on her behalf but not claiming to be her husband so i i think we all know that that they're married but she won't she won't admit that in court probably because they'll go after his assets as well right because this i'm assuming yeah, that if she's depends. found guilty then they would ha also have civil suits, right? It depends on whether or not they signed a prenup, number one, and number two, how long they've actually been legally married. Because uh, I think Borgerson did admit it, and I think that he was trying to say, he said something like she was a good stepmother or mother to his kids and trying to humanize her yeah, and it was make very, her look better. Mm -hmm. Very sweet and kind and touching and loving. Yeah real mm. touching yeah right <laughs> good lord yes he did resign from his company i know that but that's not the point um that doesn't even matter so uh he still has a bunch of money from that and you know who knows what other kinds of um behind the scenes is he still you know was that basically a symbolic thing but he's still running things you know behind the scenes a lot of that stuff does happen um 
Okay, so here we have the uh, Jeffrey Epstein crime map. This one was made by, um, what's his name? <sighs> and I lost it. But anyways, um, Ryan Dawson. You've got uh, Jeffrey Epstein here, and under him, Jean-Luc Grenell, a rape, conspiracy, witness tampering, prostitution, blackmail, and extortion. Jean-Luc Brunel, pedophile rape, MC2 modeling. That was run out of New York City, Miami, and Tel Aviv. Uh, and Jean-Luc and Epstein connect in uh, Florida, New York, New Mexico, the Paris, the Caribbean. Brunel had a um, place in Paris. Leslie Wexner, of course, who was giving them the money. You can see the dollar signs going down here. He was the one funding the operation. And according to victim Maria Farmer, uh, Wexner was the head of the snake, basically, of this operation in the United States. And she said, obviously, um, on behalf of the Israeli Mossad. We have the Wexner Foundation, which is basically how he was kind of funding things to Epstein through the foundation. Now, the Wexner Foundation connects to Ehud Barak, the former prime minister of Israel from 99 to 2001. Ehud Barak happens to be on the board of a company that used to be called Reporty, but now is called Carbine 911, uh, along with um, uh, Nicole Junkerman and a bunch of other IDF um, Israeli intelligence officials, right? And what Carbine 911 seeks to do is triage 911 calls uh, throughout the whole world. But they're trying to get into the United States right now. Of course, she is somebody, uh, Junkerman, who has been on Epstein's plane. The two of them had a flight where it was just the two of them for a weekend, which was very weird because it was a departure from Epstein's usual entourage of people. When you go through the flight manifest, it's like, this is one thing that stands out. So we wonder, was that when she was recruited into the Mossad, uh, we don't know, but that's something to consider. Um, so then, so just to like refresh everyone's memory, so Wexner was the founder of Victoria's Secret. And oh, yeah. there's the Q post that says, I mean, there's some tweet on there, I'm not gonna open it, but it has Epstein in brackets and then it has Wexner in brackets and it says the story goes much deeper and in brackets darker, Q. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, according to Maria Farmer, a lot of these girls must have been murdered because there there should be a lot more of them coming forward. And, um, you know, that's just what these people did. I mean, she basically said, these are Jewish mafia, okay? And um, uh, above that, we have the um, the Bronfman family, okay? They go, they tie into Nexium. Remember Nexium? You have Charles Bronfman Sr., you have Edgar Bronfman. Uh, Ed, uh, uh, Edgar Bronfman was the president of the World Jewish Congress. Now, the Bronfman family exercises a lot of power in Canada, right? They were major funders of the Trudeau family. Um, and of course, they were involved in uh, bootlegging alcohol uh, in, you know, in the 1920s or whatever here in America, mafia family, okay? You can look up Samuel Bronfman, that's the mafia kingpin basically during that time, but also running heroin and drugs and stuff, real lovely people. And then the Bronfmans, of course, 
were part of the mega group of Jewish billionaires. Other people part of the mega group were uh, Steven Spielberg, etc. So you also have a cute post on Bronfman, and it says, uh, how does Linda Rothschild connect to Bronfman's? Find the bridge, think company. How is Bronfman connected to Nexium? Go backwards. Nexium leads to who pleaded guilty? Allison Mack, when does a bird sing? Watch New York City, news unlocks, five by five, Q. And then he responded back and said, what city was Epstein arrested in? New York City, five by five, watch California, Q. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Linda Rothschild served on the board of, um, what was it, CMEX with the Bronfman family. So that, oh. I think that's that connection. Hmm. That's interesting. And CMEX was the cement company, right? Yep. Uh huh. So that's nice and comforting. <laughs> Um, Lynn also ties into Jeffrey Epstein. She's on the uh, the um, uh, Black Book. She's in the Black Book, and I believe she's also, yes, she is also on the Flight Manifest to Orgy Island. Uh, Steinhard, Michael Steinhard, also was part of the mega group of Jewish billionaires. He's been accused of sexual harassment. And then above the Bronfman family here, you have the um, chairman of the United Jewish Communities, the United Jewish Appeal, the Council of Jewish Federations, and United Israel Appeal. Now, the Bronfman families were big funders of the birthright trips to Israel. And, um, you know, one could speculate whatever they were doing with that, I don't know. Um, but that's something that they were funding to a lot of money the tune of like um, millions of dollars. Why did they want to, you know, send people over to Israel? Were they using that to traffic uh, back and forth? We don't know. We also know that Israel has become a haven for pedophiles from around the world that are seeking to um, uh, basically escape punishment, right? It, there are articles about this because they changed the... Um, the laws there for basically punishing uh, pedophiles and sex offenders. So that's also another tie-in to this. Um, and I think it also goes to show you just how much they rely on things like uh, sexual operations, right? Sexual blackmail operations. Um, top uh, four points out Spielberg and Heather O'Rourke. Yep. I was just going to say, I remember uh, reading through some of the Ghislaine documents or Epstein documents, I don't remember, but there was a girl and I don't, I think she was like a violin player or ballet dancer or something. And they got her into this elite college and said that they would pay for all of her um, tuition. And, you know, as long as she continued, you know, to go and provide massages and she stopped doing it and they yanked all her her scholarships. I mean, that's that's another form of blackmail there, too. That's how they intimidate these girls. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, Claire Bronfman ties to Nexium. Uh, as you know, Nexium, sex trafficking, pedophilia, and other weird things, right? Making them watch snuff films while they monitored their brain waves. God only knows what kind of CIA experiment that was about, right? Yeah, I, I just read an article on that the other day, and, um, like, uh, what's the guy's name? 
Rainier, his first girlfriend, like when they were starting that, uh, he hypnotized her. They were all about hypnotism. So it's, you know, yeah. when you talk MK Ultra, you're talking like hardcore hypnotism where they women would go and they wouldn't be able to remember like three hours of the meeting. Oh. It would just disappear. Yeah, who knows what they were doing during that time. Good Lord. Now, um, uh, also connecting to Edgar Bronfman is uh, Gi uh, Giuseppe B. Tome. He ties to the transatlantic financial company near its investments in the Finvest Panama, also ties down to Bear Stearns and Ace Greenberg. Epstein worked, of course, under Ace Greenberg. That was when he was first brought into the financial system in the early 1980s. He worked for Ace Greenberg. I think he dated Greenberg's daughter for a little bit. And then he got fired from Bear Stearns for basically doing this shady kind of schemes that he was always doing, right? Um, so that's the Bear Stearns connection there. And then going over to... Um, uh, Ghislaine from Epstein, that connects to Ghislaine. She's, of course, been charged with pedophilia, rape, uh, conspiracies, trafficking. She, of course, is the, the daughter of Robert Maxwell. Her sisters are more important, though. That's Christine and Isabel Maxwell that created uh, Chiliad, um, a kind of software that is used by basically all of the U.S. intelligence agencies. Um, it's really, when you start looking at this stuff, it's like, oh my God, you know, that entire family is all espionage for Israel, right? I mean, there was a book about Robert Maxwell called Israel Super Spy, okay? Maxwell himself, of course, was giving them uh, nuclear technology and information. Um, he connects to Moshe Katsov. That was the president of Israel from 2000 to 2007, who, like Ehud Barak, I was connected to Epstein and also a rape conviction. So how many of these Israel prime ministers or presidents are rapists? No wonder they reduce these pedophilia laws. I mean, dear God. What's crazy, too, is that, like, and all these people are all connected to the Clintons, too. And when you start yep. saying rape, rape, pedophilia, rape, rape, pedophilia, oh rape, God. rape, rape, it's like... I mean, I get it, you know, sex is all fine and dandy, but, like, you're <laughs> ruining your life. Like, there has to be something more to it. It's got to be a religious thing. It just, it has to. Yes, sex magic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's big Kabbalah stuff. Um, that's a huge part of Kabbalah is not only sex magic, but um, phallus worship in general. <laughs> really creepy stuff um tying to ehud barack is ari scherer and george uh, stein stietenberg pedophilia sex trafficking um and of course uh, ehud barack ties to black cube black cube is basically a Mossad cutout right former Mossad, former idf people working for black cube these are the people that intimidated or tried to intimidate rose mcgowan Remember? And Rose, yeah, Rose is the one that you guys might recall about a year ago or so. She started to come forward on a lot of the, the creeps in Hollywood. She's the one that busted yep. Weinstein, isn't she? Yep. 
Yeah, That's and right. she's pretty psycho. I mean, some days she'll see a tweet from her and she seems relatively normal, but then she next one is just total meltdown and she's for sure MK Ultra. Oh yeah, I mean, and God only knows what these people did to her. I mean, you mm-hmm. would probably be crazy too. If oh yeah, I would be nuts. Raped, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you were raped by Harvey Weinstein numerous times, and then had these black Cubans running around trying to destroy your relationships, your reputation, uh, and they stalked her. They even had people pretend to be um, publishers or other actresses that would get close to her and pretend to be her friends. And meanwhile, they're like keeping tabs on her crazy stuff. Um, and she, yeah, somebody out in chat, uh, Patty says charmed was her TV show, which yeah. also links to, um, what's her name? Uh, Alyssa Milano. Oh yeah. Another mm-hmm. crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is, um, She's got issues, to say the least. Yeah, a Uh, lot. Yeah. And so uh, Black Cube ties to the Mossad to Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein charged with rape. Weinstein goes to Hollywood. Um, And then, of course, uh, for this one, the Trent Atlantic Financial Company, 1,055 stock options, 3,000 shares, all one day before the offer. Epstein made a loan for insider trading and then told on them. Hoffenberg, the guy that I talked about from Towers Financial, jailed for a Ponzi scheme. Epstein was his partner but received no punishment, of course, because he covered up for him. Now, going uh, down over to uh, Mossad. Coming off of that, we have the Promise software, which had a backdoor into it. That also links back to Robert Maxwell. We've talked about that and how Pegasus is basically an updated version of the Promise software. Pegasus is put into NSO pro- products. NSO is run by, again, Israeli intelligence. That goes to Jamal Khashoggi, who, of course, ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, was murdered, Saudi Arabian government, then up here, Epstein had an Australian passport with a fake name and a Saudi Arabian address in his safe in New York. That's lovely. Adnan Khashoggi is Jamal Khashoggi's uncle. Uh, He, of course, um, was a Mossad asset, well-known, involved with prostitutes and hookers and had that boat that um, Trump ended up buying off of him. Interestingly enough, uh, Adnan oh. Khashoggi, also famous arms dealer. I had, um, it's been a while since, the, I mean, a lot of these names are totally familiar, but it, it, I have to like bring them back to the forefront of my mind. But our, for Jamal Khashoggi, that he was murdered and then there was a big controversy. Remember how everyone on the left was like condemning Trump because, you know, he didn't take action uh, against Saudi Arabia against that. But I believe it, my interpretation was, was of uh, Jamal Khashoggi was that he was a, like a double agent. He was a spy and Saudi yeah. Arabia, they pretty much took him out because of that. Yeah. Um, and then the promise piece of that, I, if I'm remembering, I think promise was also a part of the Snowden stuff. I could be wrong on that, but I think that was also some of the Snowden stuff. I do not know. But that it's um, a super spy technology. Yes, absolutely. And it, they get, sold it to Israel, put a back door in it, and sold it to governments around the world, basically to like spy on their own citizens, to locate like dissidents, and keep tabs on. It, it, it's just like insane. 
Um, Richard Pearl, of course, involved in 9-11, also tied to Mossad and Mark Rich. Uh, he ties down to Lewis Libby and Mel Sembler. Um, Lewis Libby, a book about pedophilia, rape, and bestiality. That's just real nice. Mel Sembler connects to Niger forgeries and Michael Leiden of the Schmitz-Bush families. Now, going over here to um, Mark Rich, he also ties to Pincus Green. Uh, that ties to Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, of course, adultery, rape accusations, Lolita Express. Uh, Mark Rich ties to Ben X and Norex. Um, Grigory Lauchazansky, an Israeli citizen, indicted for money laundering, narcotics trafficking, weapon smuggling, uranium, and human trafficking. That's just real nice. Uh, Ace oh. Greenberg from Bear Stearns, he ties to Lynn and Ted Greenberg, and they went to the Dalton High School, which, of course, uh, Donald Barr, Bill Barr's father, um, was the uh, headmaster of for a while. And they tie to Gardner P. Dunnan, who was uh, got in trouble for sexual abuse of a 14-year-old, which and also, of course, adultery. So that's lovely. And Mark Rich, uh, he, yeah, he got busted on doing like I don't want to call it insider trading, but definitely some financial transactions that were illegal. And Bill Clinton. Um, gave him a pardon and i think that's in the news right now i think they're trying to bring him back what i'm not yeah i think that i think trump is trying to bring him back and charge him for that if i'm not mistaken <laughs> that's yeah. Awesome. yeah i hope he does good for him um yeah mark rich is a scumbag there was another guy that they pardoned too. So that and that's linked to the Clintons, and it's because Mark Rich, he donated like donated millions and millions and millions of dollars to the DNC, which went, of course, into Hillary's pocket, and I think to the oh, Clinton yeah. Foundation. And so he basically bought the pardon. Of course he did. Yeah, that's what these people do. Um, also tied to Jeffrey Epstein with his attorney Allen. I kept my underpants on Dershowitz. Uh, Dershowitz has been accused of rape um, on Orgy Island by uh, numerous Epstein victims. He, of course, also, I think, represented at one time Roman Polanski, who sodomized and drugged a 13-year-old girl and raped her. Also, oh, I just want to correct something. He's dead, actually, Mark Rich's dad. So oh. thank you, uh, Lil Galaxy. He's dead. He died in 2013. I think it's the other guy they're trying to bring back, but hmm. just wanted to correct the record there. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, Baruch Lebovitz, a homosexual, pedophile, uh, and rapist that Dershowitz represented. Now, Dershowitz connects to Jared Kushner. You guys know I am not a fan of Kushner, and um, one day I can tell you why. I think I've already outlined some of this, but there is a specific article I want to share with people that I think will kind of explain a lot more. His father, Charles Kushner, was involved in sexual blackmail. I think he even tried to do this to one of his own family members. Um, Charles Kushner connects to Jim McGreevy, who was uh, a closet homosexual and adulterer, and um, he ties into Galan Sipel, who uh, also ties back to Charles Kushner. Now, Dershowitz also, I think, represented Jonathan Pollard. You all know my feelings on Pollard uh, and his theft of nuclear secrets, which he, of course, gave to uh, Israel. Um, who, was, who else was it? Uh, South Africa 
and Pakistan. That's just wonderful. And then, of course, Israel gave it to China and Russia, okay? Um, and for those who aren't aware, uh, Israel's overrun with Russian GRU assets. They did this ex exchange, this, um, what they called, like, uh, in, I think it was in the 1970s, where um, they needed, like, more Jewish people to go to Israel. And so Russia sent over thousands of people, and they were all GRU assets. And those are the main oligarchs that run Israel today. So when we talk about some of these people at the highest level of Israel, we're really talking about like Soviet GRU assets. That's another thing you have to understand, that the regular citizens of Israel, in most cases, know nothing about this stuff, and they're not involved in this kind of activity. This is mafia stuff, the Russian mafia, Jewish mafia, um, and uh, intelligence activities on behalf of two states, Russia and Israel. So this is uh, a lot of interesting things when you start looking at that and making these connections and going, oh, this person in Israel, that's a troublemaker. Oh, they were a uh, Russian emigre. Okay, GRU asset, that makes sense, right? It starts making a lot more sense. Hey, that's really interesting. I have never heard that before. That is very interesting. It makes a lot of sense about why we see the disconnect and between when we talk about the government versus the people. Yes. Yeah, they set like a thousand GRU assets. I'm going to have to bring up an article just on that alone. It was called Operation SIG uh, when Russia sent all these people there. Um, you know. Did you, did you say SIG? Did you what? Did you say SIG? S I G. Yeah, yep. Yep. Uh, wow, that's basically signals intelligence, essentially. <laughs> yeah, look at how they named it, right? Good Lord. It's, yeah, really disturbing. But it also is very bad for the people of Israel because the people running their country aren't really representing them. They're representing basically a foreign, um, foreign interest, right? And so you can look at how they've signed on to the Belt and Road. You can look at the shift that they've taken since the 70s when they were flooded with these GRU assets. Oh, it's like, okay, they start doing things that seem to be not in the best interest of the Jewish people, to put it lightly. Um, and then we have uh, over here um, Alex Acosta that uh, was appointed by Trump. Um, Acosta, of course, was the person who tried to get Jeffrey Epstein. I think he said, you know, when he was questioned about this of why he gave him the sweetheart deal, he basically admitted that he was told that Epstein was intelligence, was above his pay grade, and to let it go, okay? Um, and then that ties into Graydon Carter, who is the boyfriend, or I guess, whatever you want to call it, a Vicky Ward. She's the uh, Vanity Fair journalist who is supposedly covering Epstein, but really is a uh, kept woman for Graydon Carter, Carter and is pals with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and all this other stuff. So, you know, that's basically how all these criminals connect. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay, um, now I want to go up to my article on this so that we can go into some more detail. Uh, let's see. Okay. Um, I put this, I published this today. It is on the, when you go to patriotsoapbox.com, this should be up on the front now. 
um, longtime Epstein and Maxwell associate and quote unquote modeling agent Jean-Luc Brunel arrested and charged with sex trafficking just days after the arrest of Peter Nygaard, the quote unquote Canadian Jeffrey Epstein, longtime Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell associate Jean-Luc Brunel has been arrested at a Paris airport charged with a litany of sex crimes. PatriotSoapbox.com has been reporting on the Epstein case and his associates in a previously published article entitled Missing Jean-Luc Brunel, International Model Scout and the Alleged Procurer for Pedophile Epstein. We inquired of his whereabouts and asked the question, would Brunel ever be arrested for his participation in Epstein's crimes? Uh, you can see this article and you can read that. This was published um, by Lynn back in October of 2019, you know, asking where is he? Is he ever going to be charged? Um, and getting into uh, basically all of these creepy connections, all the information about uh, Brunel and um, the, just the, the way that models had complained about him for decades, right? His behavior. According to Jazabel.com, civil complaints allege young girls from South America, Europe, and the former Soviet Republic, again, another GRU asset connection here, right? Working for Israeli intelligence, but seems to have a lot of uh, Russian and Soviet connections, just like Epstein himself and his Russian pimp, Peter Listerman, few of whom spoke English, were recruited for Epstein's sexual pleasure. According to a former bookkeeper, a number of girls worked for MC2, the modeling agency owned by Jean-Luc Brunel, longtime acquaintance and frequent guest of Epstein's. Brunel, along with numerous young models, was a frequent passenger on Epstein's private jet, according to Flight Manifest. The agency owner also allegedly received a million dollars from Epstein in 2005 when he founded MC2 with his partner, Jeffrey Fuller, although Fuller and Brunel denied any such payment from the billionaire pervert in 2007 when rumors started swirling. And he said, oh, no, I had nothing to do with this. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this was a really good article. This goes into many different things. Um, anyways, going back to uh, this article from today, we asked the question, would he ever be arrested for his participation in Epstein's crimes? Today, that question has finally been answered. This is a significant week for victims of child sex trafficking and a stunning victory for those who were abused by F Jeffrey Epstein and his associates. The message is clear. You will not get away with crimes against children, not anymore. Reuters reports, Jean-Luc Brunel, who knew Jeffrey Epstein in custody, prosecutor, that Brunel was nabbed at the airport and is now in custody. Frenchman Jean-Luc Brunel, who knew deceased sex offender and U.S. financier Jeffrey Epstein, was placed in custody on Wednesday in Paris, the Paris prosecutor's office said on Thursday. The department also told Reuters that his custody was part of a probe opened last year into allegations of rape, sexual assault, and sexual harassment. Brunel, who's denied any wrongdoing, had in 2015 sued Epstein, claiming Epstein's high-profile legal troubles had unfairly embroiled him 
and damaged his modeling agency's reputation, a frivolous and absurd lawsuit. Epstein died in August 2009 in his jail cell in the United States, and an autopsy report concluded he hanged himself. I love how Reuters worded that. What they're basically saying is, well, the autopsy said he did it. <laughs> like everybody knows he didn't kill himself. Good Lord. Although Brunel himself denied he was involved in Epstein's crimes, testimony and evidence has surfaced that appears to implicate him. Photos have appeared of Ghislaine Maxwell and Jean-Luc Brunel on Little St. James Island, a.k.a. Orgy Island, goofing around and hugging, while Brunel wears a cap that says Israel Army, perhaps indicating his employer. Uh, aware Anon tweeted out Jean-Luc Brunel detained, first Nygaard arrested, now Brunel, a bad week for wealthy pedophiles. And this, of course, links to a Times of Israel article uh, about the arrest. The Times of Israel has published an article on the arrest and explains Brunel was arrested while trying to board a flight to Senegal. File 411 is a, um, a uh, Twitter investigator that um, has been covering the Epstein case, but is sort of uh, left wing, so make what you want of that, but still does good work and I think is probably works in the legal field given their knowledge on uh, certain things. They put out uh, modeling agent Jean-Luc Brunel held for questioning in France as part of a probe into any role he may have played in luring girls for the late Jeffrey Epstein. And this is a Bloomberg article on the case. And then links his prior um, thread here, rhetorical question, just wondering if or when we can talk about Jeffrey Epstein's Ghislaine Corp. This is now an inactive business. Uh, FEI slash EIN number 65-0590904, established on April 3rd, 1995, and dissolved October 23rd, 1999, previously incorporated as Lot 19, Philippia Estates Corp. And so these are different documents that detail this. What was it? Um, what was Ghislaine Corp, right, set up by Jeffrey Epstein? And then he connects this to a long thread, mind if I jump in, responding to Operation Death Eaters, a Sun Models, Inc., registered in 1996, Florida, Articles of Incorporation, uploaded to my public drive, based solely on dates of incorporation. This is the first company, and everything after 1997 is a progeny of this, and links to a Google Drive. All of this stuff is linked in the article, uh, and you can click on this stuff. You can go find that Google Drive and start looking at some of these different um, corporations that Epstein had. Apparently, some of these Florida SSC documents I linked in the two subthreads are either broken or won't work. I'm in the process of converting these to PDFs and uploading it to the public drive. I'll tweet the converted files throughout the day as my free time allows. He's, I think, still working on this as far as I know, but did link to his Google Drive, the public drive, with the Ghislaine Corp uh, information here, the Articles of Incorporation. Now, Brunel may be involved in Ghislaine Corp as a Sun Models, Inc. is mentioned. And then this goes through... Uh, the 1997 annual report for Ghislaine Corp, the 1998 annual report 
and then the 1998 Ghislaine Corps voluntary disillusion. Let's just zoom in on this so you can see some of this. Ghislaine Corp, Secretary of State, filed September 8, 1997, Brillo Way, Palm Beach. That is Epstein's uh, place, okay? Name and address of current registered agent, Jeffrey Epstein. There you go. Secretary Amanda J. Ellison. There's somebody to look into. Anyway. They also did a bunch of foundations, too, and I don't think anyone has ever dug on that because uh, he was using his foundations and doing donations to um, universities. Wow. It does not surprise me at what all. What was that name again? Can you scroll back up again? Oh, uh, Allison. Let's see. Allison Ellison or something? Let's see. Amanda J. Ellison. Amanda I think Ellison. I dug on her before, before, but I'll look it up again. Okay. This is the uh, dissolution, the voluntary dissolution. Now, um, we have a uh, customer, Lauren Quinter, legal assistant, J. Epstein and Company, articles of dissolution for Ghislaine Corporation. This date of dissolution was authorized October 19, 1998. Dissolution was approved by the shareholders. The number of votes cast for dissolution was sufficient for approval, and that's all they put in. Unbelievable. Um, it continues, oh dear me, he faces charges related to rape and sexual assault on minors, sexual harassment and human trafficking of minors for sexual exploitation. Brunel could be held for questioning for up to 96 hours, depending on what charges are pressed. This comes from Bloomberg Today. Paris prosecutor said Brunel has been held since Wednesday as part of a probe open last year. He was detained at the Paris uh, Charles de Gaulle airport as he was about to board a plane to Dakar, that is in Senegal, according to a person familiar with the matter. Prosecutors say he faces charges related to rape, sexual assault of minors, sexual harassment, and human trafficking, and can be held for questioning for up to 96 hours. Um, while Brunel has been detained, we are unsure at this time if he will be held for any more than the 96 hours, nor whether he will face extradition to the United States for his role in Epstein's sex trafficking ring. Kirby Summers tweeted out, Bill Cosby in jail, Harvey Weinstein in jail, Jeffrey Epstein in jail plus dead. Ghislaine Maxwell in jail, Peter Nygaard in jail, Jean-Luc uh, Jean Brunel in jail. We're getting somewhere, hashtag keep fighting. We would like to see Leslie Wexner, Prince Andrew, and the rest of the rapists on this list. Exactly. Kirby Summers, a victim herself, and now an author and investigator, has explained that today has been a victory for victims and reminding everyone that Prince Andrew and Leslie Wexner and other Epstein associates are still at large. Um, Julie Brown of the Miami Herald, breaking modeling scout Jean-Luc Brunel, one of Epstein's accused recruiters, arrested on sex trafficking charges. And uh, Miami Herald has done really good work look, uh, covering this stuff. 
So um, if you haven't been reading their articles, they did uh, a really good um, piece on the whole Epstein affair. Julie Brown of the Miami Herald has done excellent work on the Epstein scandal and has been credited with bringing the case back into the public spotlight. Big Fish is another person on Twitter who has been covering this stuff for a long time. Um, that's somebody definitely to follow. They, they uh, primarily do you know, the Epstein case and a lot of other, um, other related like sex traffickers and stuff. So that's a good account to follow. France detains modeling agent and Epstein inquiry. Jean-Luc Brunel taken into custody on suspicion of crimes, including rape and trafficking of minors. The media has known about Jean-Luc Brunel for 30 plus years. 30 years and has been complicit all along the way. Please watch the video linked in this tweet by Jason Burmos about the Diane Sawyer interview in 1998. 60 Minutes and CBS News has known about John Luke Brunel for 30 years and George Stephanopoulos and Katie Kirk from ABC and NBC News had dinner with Jeffrey Epstein a year after he left jail in 2009. Great video by Jason Burmas on the 60 Minutes story below. <sighs> Unbelievable. Big Fish Twitter investigator and Epstein chronicler has reminded everyone the media was well aware of the allegations regarding Jean-Luc Brunel going back decades and largely ignored and buried the stories. Kirby Summers tweeted out, the arrest of Jean-Luc Brunel will reveal that in addition to raping young girls, these victims were also sodomized and turned into drug addicts. Many were killed and some ended their own lives. We have not seen the complete depravity of the dark world of Jeffrey Epstein. It's very sad. And this is why some of these girls haven't been able to come forward to tell their stories. They either killed themselves or they were murdered. Um, uh, this uh, French investigator says Jean-Luc Brunel, these are the very serious charges for which he was taken into custody yesterday, rape and sexual assault, rape and sexual assault on a 15-year-old minor, rape and sexual assault on minors over 15 years old, sexual harassment, conspiracy, and human trafficking. So according to a French investigator, Brunel stands accused of a number of crimes, including rape, sexual assault, rape and sexual assault of a minor younger than 15 years of age, sexual harassment, conspiracy, and sex trafficking. Kirby Sommers tweeted, Jean-Luc Brunel owned a luxury apartment on Avenue Fock in Paris. Flight logs show Brunel traveled on Epstein's private planes at least 25 times between 1998 and 2005. Visitor logs show Brunel visited Jeffrey Epstein when he was in the Florida jail 67 times. On a side note, on uh, the Canadian guy, well, I can't get his name. What's his name? Nygaard. Yeah, Nygaard, he also had a private plane too. So if there's any diggers out there that want to see if you can try to find flight logs on that, I'd be curious because I think yeah. they all had a bunch of planes and yachts and... They were trafficking in all kinds of 
young girls and um, maybe if the Epstein flight logs don't show us what we need, maybe uh, Nygaard's will. Or yeah, John I Luke, does he, he have also, a private plane? I don't know. I think Nygaard also had his own island. I don't know what it's called, but I'm Oh yeah, sure he, he did. did. We showed that. Um, oh, I sent God. the leak to Pam. It's like a Mayan castle. It's creepy Ew. as all heck. Oh, and Mayans, of course, engaged in things like, you know, human sacrifice. Right. And it's in um, it's in that same area. It's in the Bahamas. And uh, I did some digging, just wondering if there were, like, submarine ports nearby. Yeah, Nygaard K is the name of it. And um, I want to say, like, maybe within 50 miles or something, there's a U.S. Navy base that's, like, specialized in submarines. So I don't know. Jeez. It's weird. The whole thing is weird. Uh, if Brunel denies his involvement with Epstein, the questions we must ask are, what was he doing traveling to the island so many times? You saw the pictures of him with Ghislaine uh, palling around on the island. Why were they so friendly? And why did he visit Epstein in jail over 60 times? For what purpose? If he didn't know anything, if he wasn't involved, come on. Uh, the Daily Beast put out an article on this today also, breaking Jean-Luc Brunel, a French modeling agent and close ally, an alleged pimp to late sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein is in custody in Paris after attempting to board a flight to Dakar. The Daily Beast has mildly reported on the Epstein scandal but they neglect to report at the same level of detail that some inve independent investigators have. Kirby Somers put out, you know, they're, they're not going to. They never will. I was just going to say, because I, I did this weird dig on the Daily Beast, and they're owned by IBT or IDT or something like that, the same company that owns Newsweek. And then one of their part oh. owners is linked to a Korean guy that says he's the next messiah. It's weird. What? Yes, it's weird. I'll send you my links on that. I was just like, I tweeted it out. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this. This is just <laughs> weird. Like the Daily Beast oh has all God. these hit pieces on QAnon. Newsweek has two. And you thought, yeah. I always thought Newsweek was like an American paper. No, it's owned by this. Uh, I'll send you the links on it. It's really weird. Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. Um, Newsweek is not an American publication, and the Daily Beast is owned by a cult leader. Yeah, <laughs> half-owned. Yeah, like, it's weird. Oh, good Lord. That's insane. But actually not surprising. Not at all. Not. I mean, because I was asking the question, like, why is the Daily Beast so focused on QAnon? Why? And then I was just like, well, who owns them? And then I'm like, oh, no. It's pretty yeah. nuts. I'll send it's you all the links on it. Almost like they want to um, uh, kind of distract from people looking into them, right? Hmm. Well, um, and also because they've kept like a really low profile too. Yeah, that's not, I mean, I didn't even know that. So that's clearly something they've been able to keep a lid on, I guess. Jean-Luc Brunel who gifted Jeffrey Epstein three 12-year-old girls, gifted them, 12-year-old girls, has finally been arrested in Paris as he waited to board a plane to Senegal. 
Brunel is an alleged rapist, cocaine abuser, and supplier of minors to human sex traffickers. He has evaded justice for over 40 years. And she is linking here to her book, Excerpt Bonnie's Clyde, The True Life of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. The three 12-year-old girls arrived in New York from France with the promise from their model scout, Jean-Luc Brunel, they would meet an important man. Um, this is uh, just one of her books. Kirby Summers has written several books on the Epstein case, and she has done tremendous work in uncovering details about Epstein's associates that no one else has been able to find. Uh, I highly recommend all of her books, but specifically Bonnie's Clyde about Maxwell's role in the scandal. As she goes on to say, the arrest of Jean-Luc Brunel is important in many ways. In France, sexual abuse is not taken seriously. Frankly, it is barely taken seriously in the United States. Roman Polanski, who was convicted of six counts in Los Angeles in 1977 of raping Samantha Gemer by use of drugs, perversion, sodomy, lewd and lascivious act upon a minor, fled the United States and has lived in France happily for decades. In my opinion, it has been the nonstop discussions we have had here and on other social media platforms that have finally embarrassed the French officials into action. Kirby says in France, sex abuse and child sex trafficking aren't taken seriously, and the crimes are rarely prosecuted. She continues, Brunel was living on the houseboat of a friend and using the apartment of his sister. It's likely that with his arrest, other women who were just girls when preyed upon will step forward. Together, our voices do make a difference. Now, Kirby's reminding us the arrest of Brunel may encourage more victims, more courageous victims to come forward and tell their stories. We must support these girls to talk about what happened to them. Their stories could help other victims heal and can give young girls pause before getting involved with duplicitous men of this sort. Um, and she says, in case you missed it earlier, Jean-Luc Brunel's friend, Steve Mnuchin, who is the current Secretary of the Treasury under the Trump administration, was the contact person for Brunel's modeling a.k.a. human trafficking company, Next Time Corp. Let's remember all of their names. And she has us listed here, a reminder that Steve Mnuchin was the contact person for Next Time Corp. Brunel was Jeffrey Epstein's supplier of minor girls whom they both raped and shared with others. This is the uh, New York State Department of State Division of Corporations Entity Information. Uh, selected entity name, Next Management Corp. Um, the initial filing was November 22nd, 1988 in New York, New York. And of course, who do we have listed here as the uh, selected entity address information? Attention, Steve Mnuchin. How nice. We must demand Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin come forward with what he knows about Jean-Luc Brunel and explain what he was doing listed as the contact person for one of Brunel's modeling companies. 
and it's crucial that we understand child sex trafficking and abuse has no political party. Both are implicated in numerous scandals, and we must require that they be held accountable. Only by shining a light in the darkness can we uncover what has been hidden there and buried. And uh, also, Mnuchin partied with Epstein in 2012. This was after he had already been arrested the first time in 2008. So there's that. Um, that so that article's up on the Patriot Soapbox website. Uh, the other one uh, that I had put out today earlier this morning was about diversity training, uh, which of course does not um, doesn't really work. Uh, hmm, interesting. Okay, I want to share this, even though this is just a rumor right now. Um, let's see. Larp or not, use your own discernment from this half Chan thread. A Trump staffer here, prepare for World War III. This is not a joke. Literally every White House staff member has been evacuated from the White House. Everyone knows they only do this in case of a terror attack or war. Trump is going to declare war on China and use the election as his justification. During the ensuing madness, he'll initiate martial law and arrest every traitor in the country. I'm not talking just politicians, I'm talking BLM, media, civil servants, basically anyone that had a hand in this. This has been the rumor going around for a few weeks. Nobody thought it would actually happen until today. I'm currently headed to West Virginia along with my family, prepare for war. Now, I'm not sure that that's the case. Um, we don't know if this is a LARP or not. They kind of do this all the time. They put this stuff out. Uh, Ann Vandersteel also put it out uh, inside policy person in the White House. Personnel have been asked to stay behind in the White House, and everyone else non-essential has been asked to work remotely. POTUS has ordered most of his staff to leave D.C. and clear out. So we'll see. Um, that screenshot, I don't know if that's the same one that I had posted in uh, Zoom chat, but yeah. they had rumors spelled wrong, R-U-M-O-U-R, -U -U which is a British way of spelling it, which seems quite mm. unusual if it's a White House staffer. Yeah, right? So that just kind of made me think maybe it's not legit. Yeah. Yeah, I would take it with a grain of salt. That's weird. Um but I will say that uh, there's been a lot of helicopter activity in our area and the doomsday plane moving around. So who knows? <laughs> Did you see that message in Zoom from Thunder from Thumper? Uh, what did he say? National Guard has been back and forth above my house. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was National Guard, but we had the black helicopters flying around here, and we're pretty close to um, you know the the DC area there. Hmm. So this is the article I put out earlier today on diversity training, corporate diversity training, which does not work and causes conflict. Um, it's, you can read this for yourself, but it has, there is a um, new research that came out uh, by Real Clear Science that shows 
you know, all diversity training does is cause people to become racist. <laughs> like imagine being forced to do these like diversity classes. Good Lord, could you imagine? Well, I'm sure many of you can imagine. Um, I am too familiar with this subject. This is what triggered me. This is part of my great awakening. I was working at a tech company in San Francisco and all of the big tech companies would only hire diverse candidates. If you were a woman, if you were black, if you were Asian, if you were Hispanic, if you were a white man, you were not going to get a job with the big tech companies. And I, it was so frustrating. Like these, I would talk to people that were so highly qualified with PhDs and they could not get a job because they were white. That's how these people operate. And you know, there is no, um, there's no science behind the diversity training and all of that stuff. It's like non-existent. And the few um, studies that have been conducted actually show that the opposite of the intended results is often achieved instead of making people less racist or biased these classes often cause conflict racism and less tolerant imagine being forced by your employer to attend a class at which you will be told that you are automatically racist and privileged regardless of whether or not your personal experience fits that absurd box Imagine being forced to take diversity training by your employers and being condescendingly told you are somehow a victim and that all of your coworkers are racist against you because they have a different skin color. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, You know, you can see how these classes actually cause people to become resentful, more racist, frustrated, and less tolerant. No one likes being forced to do something against their will, and no one likes being talked down to like they are children. Um, you know, it's that's just how it is. <laughs> Good lord! Uh, it's also the it's also about the LGBTQ stuff too, because like it, and at the Fortune 500 level, if you do not hire people of a diverse background, then you will be sued. Like it is blackmail to yep. Fortune 500 companies. It's it's really, it's out of control. It's basically like a BLM on steroids against corporate America. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that they have these quotas. They literally have to do this. Absolutely. My very first job, my very first job was working for a Fortune 500 company. I was 17 years old uh, and I, I was hired on as a temp. I had perfect stats, like all of my numbers were exceptional and I was not hired permanently uh, because they hired a black candidate, which was like 25% less of my, my stats. Luckily, like six months later, I was hired on permanent, but that was my first introduction at 17 years old to, uh, you know, equal employment opportunities and diversity. I was very upset. That's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It doesn't, um, it doesn't have anything to do about your skills, your qualifications, anything. It's about the color of your skin or your sexuality. Yeah, why are they hiring people based on that? That is ridiculous. That is, that is, you know, 
I don't I don't even understand, you know, how you cannot call that discrimination. EEOC was supposed to be designed to prevent discrimination, but yet you're discriminating against whites who don't have a discrimination claim. It's really, really messed up. Yeah. Jeez. Um and all I could think of as you read this is that picture of the big black woman that had uh, like the tights on, like in her, you know, breasts were oh basically all hanging out. And that was supposed to be like the government diversity yep. training. Yeah, That's all like, I keep thinking of. She's pointing at the whiteboard and it says like, you're, you are all racist. Or yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm imagining right now. I can't get oh, it out of my head. Well, she certainly wasn't, uh, starving we'll no. just say that <laughs> um so here this article it details uh, other times it talks about how they these do not um these classes like they don't help and in fact they often introduce uh, common stereotypes when they're intended to dispel these stereotypes they often plant them in the minds of people that never actually thought about that until they did these stupid classes other times, they can fail to improve negative perceptions about the target group, yet increase negative views about others. For instance, an empirical investigation of quote-unquote white privilege training found that it did nothing to make participants more sympathetic to minorities. It just increased resentment toward low-income whites. So poor white people got, you know... They're resented for no reason, even though they don't have any privilege. Unbelievable. <sighs> Many diversity-related training programs describe bias and discrimination as rampant. One unfortunate consequence of depicting these attitudes and behaviors as common is that it makes many feel more comfortable expressing biased attitudes or behaving in discriminatory ways. Insofar as it is depicted as being ubiquitous, diversity-related training can actually normalize bias. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it's, yeah. Rather than bringing people together so they can work better together, these training classes often alienate people and cause employees to resent and become suspicious of one another. Uh, let's see. So part of it was that they wanted to, you know, initially it started that they wanted to hire more people of color so that they would be able to recruit more people of color, right? Because if you see, you know, a Hispanic manager, you think, hey, I have an opportunity to excel too. But again, it should never be based on the color of your skin. That is as racist as it gets. It's supposed to be about, you know, everyone has an opportunity to succeed based on your performance, you know, um, but it's backfired completely because it is it you know think about the word diversity all that it does is divide that's yes. it that's where that word derives from so all you're doing is just dividing people into groups and that's not about being united that's about dividing that's exactly what it's doing the participants are forced to engage in scripted conversations that are often insulting and unrelatable, thus rendering the programs useless and frankly, a waste of time. A Psychology Today article 
called Is Your Company's Diversity Training Making You More Biased? argues that the classes often trigger an us versus them response in attendees because it, it breaks people up into racial groups and then pits them against each other. I mean, right. what do you expect? <sighs> Absolutely it's, crazy. it's it's just yet another attack on the American on, on the, our country right because you know we are the United States of America so when you start putting people into groups and you have them see each other as differently like I see all Americans as Americans I don't see them as a black American or Hispanic American or a white American we're all Americans so it's just yet again one of those spokes in the wheel of how are you going to destroy America you're going to do it by dividing them yeah and you know what they were charging two to five thousand dollars per class of 50 people that is insane it's like a massive scam oh and it's even worse than that they have in corporate america they have like diversity directors like you can get <laughs> right and <laughs> like you go to college and you get a degree in I don't know, social sciences and diversity and then you go and become like a board member on the diversity and inclusion uh you know vp like it's it's gotten to that level it's beyond comprehension of how deep this has gone if you look at most fortune 500 companies you're going to see someone that's uh, responsible for their diversity and inclusion um but yeah big deal it's just bizarre you know i i mean i don't know if they know that this isn't helping them um it seems like i don't know well i guess they have to do this stuff it just this is ridiculous David well, it's helping them from getting sued. Yeah, right. <laughs> because because BLM goes out and recruits these people and says, you know, well, you know, you're a person of color, and uh, you know, does your company have a diversity and inclusion uh, group? No, they don't. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Well, if you get fired, then we're going to file a lawsuit, and here comes the AC, LJU, or whatever, and um, they mm -hmm. and they walk away with millions of dollars all the yep. time this is everyday occurrence practically yeah that's sad um david rock from psychology today makes many important observations uh, in his piece no one uh, likes to be told what to do and how to feel and when a corporation does it in a condescending way it creates a sort of backlash from participants in some cases it also creates a herd mentality along racial lines and the extremely negative mindset of us versus them that can easily corrupt cohesion in the workplace or classroom. He knows that the program classifies people into groups often along racial lines and in ways that participants never consider until they take a class. In effect, he argues, you are actually training people to be racist or to think along racial lines. That's what it's doing. While diversity classes purport to help people and increase tolerance, they are designed in a way that does the exact opposite. Rather than increasing tolerance and acceptance, the classes amplify tribal tendencies and resentment. With the focus on differences in race, the effect is that differences and racial ways of thinking will be adopted by attendees. 
unlike the corporate diversity training classes, working on unity and teamwork as part of an in-group actually creates more tolerance and better cohesion. Should it exist in workplaces or on college campuses, the best way to lessen racism is not to focus on race or emphasize it. Disregard it as irrelevant. The way to encourage tolerance is to focus on what unites people, regardless of any differences that they cannot control anyway, like the color of one's skin. When the focus is on shared values and common goals, it brings people together. Emphasis on external differences creates confusion, anger, and resentment. Actually, the solution is very simple. Do not pay for and or mandate these classes. Instead, develop team-building exercises. Follow the example of the U.S. military, one of the most diverse and effective organizations on the planet. They do team-building exercises. Um, the U.S. Uh, military. This gets me just, this subject, I'm sorry, it just gets me really riled up. I, uh, in management positions, every year I would have to be recertified in diversity and inclusion. Oh um, my God, certified? Yeah. I had to be certified every year and uh, yeah, Lord. I've probably taken at least 20 different diversity and inclusion courses and what trainings. Do they... but what do they... Well, even, even as a non-manager, as just as employees, usually, you know, you have to re-up those every year too. They have all these yeah. classes and different things like, and they're, and you know, they're like 20 to 30 minute things. I'm sure Roxy years are much longer, but like, you know, a lot, they even make employees about every year. You've got to redo a bunch of different things, you know, ethics and things like that, which is not necessarily horrible. I mean, as far as like the ethics things and knowing what you're, sh you know, should and shouldn't do within your own company. But as far as, but yeah, the, the diversity stuff has been a big push over the past at least five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, for in management positions, it would be required because of lawsuits, right? They tell you what you can and cannot do uh, to avoid a lawsuit. <laughs> it's crazy. Unbelievable. That is insane. Um, the next thing I wanted to share, this is just something that I put in the show prep. It's not like we don't have to do, we don't have to watch this whole thing. Um, this was uh, a, a Jeffrey Epstein map that was put together by this gentleman, uh, Ura Sewell, I think I'm saying that right. Um, I have the link, of course, down here uh, at the bottom corner, uh, at the left, which I do with all of these videos. I'll just play a couple seconds of this, though, because I thought um, that he did a really good job of um, uh, his map here. And if you go to the actual link to the video and you look at the video description, he has the link to the actual map itself. And it's very interesting the way that he has set this up. So let's just play a couple minutes of this. What's up, Internet? It's your soul here, and I've just published the Jeffrey Epstein network map that I've been building for a number of weeks. And this is a, a map that's based off of information that's been put together by many different researchers, uh, a lot of it coming via the aggregated observations of Whitney Webb, 
who's published at least five pieces, I think, in the last few weeks on Jeffrey Epstein. But it also includes many, many, many sources from mainstream media, magazines, and other independent researchers and so on, who have joined the many dots relating to the very large list of people that Jeffrey Epstein was connected to and the many organisations. And I'm sure that even, even after all of these many weeks and countless, probably thousands of hours of work from people around the world, we're still probably only uh, touching a relatively small percentage of what's actually gone on behind the scenes. So what you're looking at here is the introduction page to the map, and it's on graphcommons.com. It's a great mapping system that I found pretty helpful and one of the best in terms of being able to build these kinds of maps. So I'm going to take you on a bit of a tour here of what you can find. So as you can see at first glance, it's pretty busy. There's a lot of information on here and there's actually over 40 organizations and several hundred people. And each of these nodes, as we zoom in here, you can use your mouse wheel or trackpad to zoom in. Um, each of these nodes is a person or an organization. The organizations are in blue, people are in gray, and you can actually hover over any one of them and it will focus in on that, that particular person's network. And if you like, you can click on the person, it'll give you a, a bit more information, a few links, and then if you want to, you can also click expand, and then you get, for a lot of these um, people and groups, you're gonna get some text and links and so on. Uh, they don't all have text in them, basically just due to time constraints. But uh, if you look through the info button up here and you read the main description for this page, you'll find at the bottom here, there's a bunch of links that point through to the various Mint Press news pieces by Whitney Webb. And you'll find huge numbers of links and resources uh, in there that are used throughout this map. So, uh, you know, there's pretty much a small book's worth of amount of information just in her articles alone. Uh, and if you were to follow through all the links that she cites, then, you know, you'd be there for a month pretty much. But um, so just going to take you on a brief tour of what's on here. Uh, if we actually start down at Jeffrey Epstein, which is where I started when I made this, um, you can see that there's, I mean, he's obviously probably the most connected character on here. Just, I mean, you know, obviously being allegedly a multi-billionaire, at least he had access to billions of dollars for perhaps other people. Uh, obviously very well connected in governments, in business, in science, in various different other fields as well. And uh, I mean, we can go in many different directions to try to understand what his life was about. But I think you're going to find as you look through this, and I'll try and point some of these people out as we go through, that there are certain testimonies and certain witnesses and certain bits of evidence that really do, I think, make clear what he was really about. Um, so if you are aware of the flight logs that have been published from Jeffrey Epstein's case and the black book that was also published, his own personal kind of phone book, then you'll know that he was very well connected to certain people and some people were in there, you know, with many, many phone numbers listed. Uh, I believe Bill Clinton was one of them. You got Leslie Wexner, uh, the Victoria's Secret owner and numerous other companies over here. Um, and the more you dive into this, the evidence surrounding this, the more you realize that this has got really so much going on behind the scenes, much, much more than just women being or children being basically trafficked and abused, where that's a significant part of what was happening here. He also had direct business ties into um, CIA front companies, uh, potentially all kinds of different illegal trading, not just human trafficking. Uh, we can see here, for example, Adnan Khashoggi, well-known arms trader, uh, involved with the BCCI bank that collapsed, 
uh, due to fraud and so on. He was the uncle of Jamal Khashoggi. He was the guy who was dismembered in, uh, I believe it was the Saudi embassy not so long ago. Um, yeah, I mean, he's you know pretty much directly connected to Jeffrey Epstein in multiple ways. And through him, you can go through to Sir Douglas Lee and through to uh, the British royal family fairly easily. And it's just, it's very difficult to pin down a description of what you're looking at here because there's just so much of it. Um, so we have many, many... Okay, so that was about five minutes of that video. I think it's about uh, 20 minutes long. He goes through the whole map and stuff. And you can go into this and you can click on each one of these nodes and then you can go up to info, analyze, you can make comments on it yourself. You can add information to this or research if you have any. So I thought that was really cool and I thought it was definitely worth sharing. And he asks human trafficking and blackmail for intelligence agencies. Um, obviously, <laughs> clearly. Those things, uh, those are awesome. There used to be, they used to be available on qmap.pub. And if we have any developers out there, I wish one of you would download the archive of qmap.pub and republish it on another page, even if it's, you know, only going through August or September or whatever it was, because those maps, I'd, I I would just put in one of the players' names and it would, it would link all the connections. I could easily research who all of these other people were and how they were connected. I mean, those maps are awesome. So... Just in case there's a developer out there, please recreate that page because there's so much good stuff there. Even even if you just want to reach at, uh, research Epstein, use you know the link in the show notes. And just the best way you do it is you just find a name if you don't recognize it or who they are, Google it, start researching, and see how they they connect. I'm telling you, it will open a million doors of uh, insight for you. Uh, remember, we talked about uh, girls do porn yesterday and Pornhub. Uh, it is still happening. It needs to be shut down for good. I don't know how this is still going on, but it obviously is. You can still see they're still going with these uh, episode 475, 524. How are they still going when they've been indicted? That is disgusting. So that, it just needs to stop, you know? Good a lot Lord. of them, I think the difficulty with it too is that a lot of them are um, stored on international servers that have different laws. And um, what was the website that got taken down a long time ago? The really dark one. Um, I know you know Redix. Hmm? Remember, okay. it, it was like the website that you could buy drugs and sex and... Uh, oh, um, Silk Road? Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, but that a lot of those type of sites and porn sites and stuff, they, they put their content on an international server. So when you go back page, oh, back that's page. it. Yeah. So when you go to try to serve indictments, but they don't they're not within U.S. jurisdiction is what I'm trying to say. It gets, it gets yeah. difficult. Yeah, they always do that stuff. They do that on purpose. A lot of them host things like in Ukraine uh, or these other countries where the laws are very different also. 
um, and perhaps they don't necessarily uh, work well with the um, the United States, right? Or they may have different extradition laws too, where you can't even bring them to the U.S. Yeah. Yep. This was a article from the Daily Beast on it. The Jane Doe's have sued MindGeek, the parent company of Pornhub, accusing them of knowingly profiting off of tons of sex traffic material. We covered a lot of that yesterday. I wanted to go to the exhibit, though, from the, um, the pleading here, because this is where it gets really sad. Um, this girl here, uh, I'm a girl. Um, she says, uh, my name is 276. That was probably the episode number of her. My post on the GDP subreddit got deleted, so I've decided to open up for questions. Before GDP, I was a normal college freshman. Even more than that, I had passion and dreams and a whole life ahead of me. My near-perfect ACT score landed me a scholarship worth 44000 to Columbia. I'd always wanted to pursue production design and film, and now I could. I moved 1,000 miles from home and chased, chased after my dream. I had it all. Going to art school, I began to model for a lot of fellow students and friends. I started answering modeling ads on Craigslist for extra cash because even with my scholarship, my schooling and living expenses downtown were extremely, extremely expensive. I never wanted to be a model. It was just convenient because jobs were hard to come by in the city, especially without a car. One day, I answered an ad for beginmodeling.com, and after that, my life would never be the same. And we read part of this yesterday. From the minute Jonathan contacted me, I was lied to repeatedly, manipulated, and coerced into filming. A fake website, fake references from past models, the entire premise is a lie. They don't have to convince you to shoot an adult film. They just have to convince you to fly to California, and they've already won. They email you plane tickets and hotel reservations worth over $1,000 and then get you excited to be in California and be on the beach to go shopping. And you don't even stop to think, maybe this isn't just a modeling gig after all. Um, I have to say, I don't know how young she is. Was she 18 or something? But what? why wouldn't you be like suspicious of this <laughs> you know what i mean like a yeah. person that you've met online that you don't know you just go to some website and they send you these tickets and you think that it's going to be like you're just you don't have to worry about anything i mean uh anyways i'm sure that's how a lot of sex trafficking happens too especially for girls that are under 18 Right, because let's just say you're some young girl, you know, 13, 14 years old, you put your picture up there on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, you start doing, you know, some pictures that are maybe a little bit promiscuous. You get some creep that, that you know, sends you a message and says, wow, you're really attractive and you could be a great model and, you know, let's connect. And you know, next thing you know, she's flying to California, then they drug her and ship her off somewhere. I mean, yeah. That's it's, it's too easy for these these sickos to get a hold of these girls. So if you have young girls or young granddaughters, you should be talking to them about stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, this is insane. 
you're all alone. You're surrounded by people you don't know. They'll it's scream at you to reimburse them, blah, blah, blah. They're extremely smart, extremely manipulative. Everything is scripted. I don't remember filming. It's been a while. It only comes in flashes. Think of the most disgusting thing you've ever done. That feeling doesn't go away, does it? I'm not going to read some of this because it's so disgusting. They throw this money at you and you're free to go. You don't tell anyone what happened. Not the police, not your friends, not your family, because what if everyone found out? You made the choice to go to California, didn't you? So you bury it and pretend it never happened. And as far as you know, you'll never hear about it again. Months passed before I heard anything about the video. I remember getting ready to go to a concert one night. I got out of the shower and had over a hundred text messages and missed calls on my phone. And that's when I knew someone found out. I would have never consented to having a video of me on Pornhub ever. And yet there I was exposed on the front page the most popular porn site on the internet. For three days, my video stayed on the front page. In the process, I dropped out of school. I was in a small program and reputation was everything. The stress of knowing people know, wondering who doesn't know, and hiding piled up and everything eventually fell apart. I dropped out, moved back home. Everyone from my high school knew. I was harassed 24-7 by old classmates, strangers on the internet, even a few customers from my job recognized me. That's when I would lose my first job because of GDP. Three more would follow. Each time I would attempt to reinvent myself. New hair, new city, it didn't matter. The video would always follow. Millions of people have watched it. I was blackmailed into staying in an abusive relationship because my ex threatened to send the link to my family and siblings if I ever left him. When I finally did find the strength to leave, he actually did it. He would wake up my mom at 3, 4, and 5 o'clock in the morning with screenshots. He sent them to my 17-year-old stepbrother. I found out my childhood best friend was sending the link out to people from school. I've gone on several dates just to be left when I told them the truth. It was a double standard. If they didn't care, it wouldn't bother me because they should care. And if they did care, they eventually left because who would want to be with someone, uh, all, uh, uh, all their friends have seen naked. I've lost so many people in my life in one way or another from the video. My name was outed on the internet. They knew everything. Stalkers would post my full name, phone number, social media accounts, my address, driver's license number, the make and model of my car, and license plate number. I was terrified someone would try and find me. I got messages almost daily from random creeps, a lot of them extremely persistent. My friends, family members, and boyfriend also got messages. I never watched the video. Only pieces and screenshots people have sent me to torment me. I am disgusted with myself. I flinch whenever someone brings up porn, even if it's not about me. I get spooked easily because I'm so terrified of men now. I think everyone that looks at me weird recognizes me. I became obsessed with destroying my identity, taking off and starting over, changing my name, my appearance, everything. 
moving across the country or to a whole new one altogether. I fear I'll spend my entire life running away if I don't. Some people have told me I'm one of the strongest people they know, but I'm exhausted. I'm tired of having to be strong. I wish my life, and it gets cut out here, uh, on my own worst enemy. I'm not posting this here for fans of GDP and this forum, but for the girls. I know most of them will probably read this at some point. I'm tired of thinking that no one knows what I'm going through, and today I realize there are probably close to 300 girls that do. These hundred lives ruined. I start to wonder if they are all still alive. As morbid as that seems, I know I've thought of suicide too many times to count. GDP has destroyed me. I want to do everything in my power to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. If I can save just one life, this exposure will be worth it. So here's to the girls of GDP. Are you out there? Are you well? Did you make it this far? Are you just as strong as I've had to be? If you're scared, know that you're not alone. I'm here. I want to know you all. 276, and then she put a link to her video. Very sad. And just, sad. I'm like, not going to read the comments because some of them are disgusting. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know if you're referring to chat or if you're referring to the article there. Oh, but... no, the article. Okay, because even some of the comments out there in chat, like, you know, okay, so sex is sex and, you know, it's a one-time thing or whatever, you know, get over it. But women are psychologically affected by that stuff. I mean, that's not, you know, not something to mess around with. It's a pretty serious thing. I mean, she's contemplating suicide. That's, you know, that tells you a lot. Yeah, it's really sad. You know, and how many, how many other girls are out there like this that were lied to, tricked, coerced, and raped? That's what happened to her. She did not consent to this. Yeah, and I mean that story is. I don't even think it has to be like that. I mean, you could you could go. Well, remember the um, documentary that was shown on PSB that talked about the girl that her high school friends or whatever like. Um, drugged her or got her drunk or something and then they they child trafficked her and sex trafficked her i mean it could be even something as easy as that you go to a party someone slips something in your drink you're you know drugged and don't know what's going on and then you know you end up getting raped and then it ends up on pornhub like that's not out of the question that that could happen and i'm sure it does and, you know, for those out there that think, you know, porn is okay when you're watching that stuff, you know, that's, they aren't always willing participants. Let's just put it that way. And there's tons of these stories out there. There is another one by somebody named Case that this is their proof, by the way, that these girls were putting this out there in 2015. It's now 2020 and they just indicted GDP for sex trafficking. They've been trafficking girls and raping them on camera, and Pornhub knew about this. They got many takedown requests. They did nothing. It's really sad. Uh, this one, I don't know how old she was, but she posted this on a forum. 
and she's talked about how um, she had watched America's Next Top Model and decided to create her own portfolio, sent a bunch of things out, never expecting to hear back, and then got an email from an Australian modeling company uh, and was being offered a contract for their quickly growing company base in San Diego. She looked at them up on Google, couldn't find the website she applied to because, hello, they probably like tracked her down. Um, then, of course, a recruiter reached out to her and they all follow the same pattern, right? They convinced these girls to come down there for a uh, modeling shoot. And, of course, they get picked up um, by their recruiter, the person they've been talking to brought to a hotel and told to be up early the next morning, ready for a makeup artist. A girl comes in, a Mac artist, who knew what to do with their makeup. And then she's brought to another building and a Land Rover. <sighs> they get uh, buzzed in to a, at the front gate of a compound uh, at a secluded villa overlooking a large private pool. They unpack lights and cameras. Um, the recruiter smiled and hands her a manila envelope from the folder he was carrying filled with a stack of $100 bills. And my confusion immediately turned to terror the second the words adult film were mouthed by the muscular young man in the group. He started Laugh, he laughed and started moving toward me. I began hysterically crying, saying no. It was the only word I seemed to remember how to say. I was in a panic. My body was like a deer in headlights. I couldn't move. I was sobbing. The men were furious with me because of my hysterical response and began screaming at me and verbally attacking me from all angles. I was told how ugly I was that I was the farthest thing from what a modeling agency wants, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to read all of this. It's really disgusting, but it's sad, right? What they do to these girls. And then of course they're told they have to reimburse all of their expenses if they don't do it. And they really can't because they're not allowed to leave. She talked about you know, how they got in front of the door. She's got no idea where she is. Um, GDP is a thing called Girls Do Porn that was a content partner, a verified partner on Pornhub. And all of these videos are rape videos, all of them. They were sex trafficking. They were lying and coercing these girls, most of them very young. Uh, and, you know, it took years for Pornhub to do anything about it, even when they were uh, hit with lawsuits. They didn't do it until they lost their Visa and MasterCard payment processors. Then they took 75% um, of these videos down. And that goes to show you most of the content on that website was not verified. And there was child pornography on there, uh, all kinds of horrific things. Uh, it, but some of these videos are still up still right now, even though they're supposed to take them all down. Very, very sad, but uh, I need to step out. I got to take care of some stuff, but great show, Radix, and uh, have a good night, and uh, see you later. <laughs> yeah. I think No Regrets is coming in soon. Uh, it's I'm really here. sad. Oh, hey. 
Yeah. I've been listening. Oh my goodness. That's just awful. makes me want to cry. Yeah. I know. It's so sad. And you have to wonder how many other girls there are like this who have been put through the same thing and how young some of these girls are. Uh, we don't really know. Um, it's very sad. It and is especially tragic. those of us who have daughters and granddaughters. Mm-hmm. We worry about these things. It's my daughter was approached when she was 12 or 13 for a modeling wow. agency. Oh my goodness. And I, you know, I was like, don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> right? She was already almost six foot tall, though. I mean, it very well wow. could have been, uh, you know, legitimate, but, you know, the, just knowing what just regular models' lives are like oh, is yeah. disturbing. Yeah. I didn't, didn't yeah. want that for her. It's a really hard job, I think. I mean, you, you, I can't imagine doing anything like that. Um, and it just, you know, w- there are other ways that these girls get forced into doing this stuff. There are young girls in their teens that meet like a guy in their 20s. And they have a they develop a relationship, and then the guy starts trafficking these girls. I mean, I've listened to and read about all different kinds of stories with girls as young as 12 years old that have somebody even in their neighborhood that does yeah. this, even in a residential like cul-de-sac neighborhood. Yeah, the typical suburban. Anywhere. Yeah. 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 It's just, aw. Uh, Half right says Radix could be a model. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm five foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, but yes. it's that was very kind of you. Thank you. But it is very sad. And, um, you know, you have to wonder like, at what point are enough people going to say, we, this stuff needs to be taken down, shut down all of these damn websites because they all facilitate this stuff. It is, you know, it's just an easy way for these traffickers to monetize their crimes even more. Yeah, I agree. I I think that um, what with all the, um, you know, can't even think of the word, but you know, what happens to Patriot Soapbox and you and Pamphlet and everyone, uh, all the, the Patriots out there. I mean, they're quick on the trigger for that, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. They'll take so. us down right away. <laughs> yeah. But not a, a trafficking and like child porn facilitating website. Ugh. I never even heard about it until this last year or so i never even didn't know Pornhub is existed <laughs> i guess i live in a bubble <laughs> well it's it's just one of many that's the other thing there are a lot of other websites like that out there and um it's very very sad uh very gross stuff and um you know none of these uh sites should be allowed to operate but like roxy said a lot of them host their servers overseas or in other countries with different laws so it's sometimes very hard 
to go after them and get this stuff taken down. Uh, even yeah. if you take down the one website, another one pops up or whatever, you know, it's like a, yeah. a, a constant battle. It's, it's, it's a real virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when contagious. you talk about Jeffrey Epstein, Jean Luc Grinnell, Peter Nygaard, they're just one of many, right? They're just some of the this activity, and these are like the wealthy people that were doing this, or the intelligence connected people. But the trafficking happens everywhere in all levels of society. Um, you know, not everyone is a Jeffrey Epstein, but there's still. It's very common. It's a lot more common than I think people understand. And it is not just people like Epstein. There are all walks of life. This stuff is happening. Right. And people out there in live chat, if you just go to um, the global incident map, uh, just type that into your browser and it'll take you to that site. And it covers child uh, uh, sex trafficking and human trafficking 